This is the 98th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze. This past week, it was 21 hours of Fox News, and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Let's get into it. Fox News. Trump is amazing. Republicans are doomed. A Fox Diner guest goes rogue. He called her an imposter. He said, who the hell is this imposter? When, about her speech that she gave, Dana. And I just want to get a quick thought from you on that. And I know we're going to dig into it a bit more because it was an interesting speech. Given the rather gracious speech that we saw in Iowa, that is not what we yeah. saw tonight. I mean, it got under his skin, Shannon. I mean, I, I think the former president may have had a speech that he was going to deliver. And he said as much at the beginning and kind of threw it out the window. You know, winners tell jokes and losers say deal. He was talking about her dress. Winners don't do that. I mean, why make fun of someone's <laughs> dress? You just won by 10 points. Think of him as an incumbent. This showing tonight's week. I'm Nikki Haley's campaign manager. What I strategize and what I think about, okay, do we really want to go into your home state and maybe lose by a significant margin? What would be the long-term impact of that? Look, he, he lost in 2020. His candidates lost in 2022. I mean, he has a lot of losses on his book. There aren't Dean Phillips voters who say they won't vote for Joe Biden. And that's the difference from what we saw on the Republican side. 88% of Nikki Haley's voters said that they would be dissatisfied if Donald Trump was the nominee. You look at the Republican Party, 7 in 10 Nikki Haley voters said, I would not vote for Trump. There was a Des Moines Register poll, 43% said, no, I wouldn't vote for Trump. If I'm Trump, I sit back and I exclusively focus on the general election. I take the posture of a presumptive nominee. I focus on number one, uniting the party, and number two, winning the independence, which Nikki Haley won 55 to 39%. That is something that is really detrimental to this country, that the president of the United States despises half of the United States. Look at the path and the math, and I think you have to reflect tonight, if you're in the Haley campaign, and say, if I'm not on the ballot in Nevada, if I'm not going to maybe win my home state, what's the most important thing going forward? So that last voice you may not recognize, um, because she's not a Fox personality, that's Rona McDaniel. She's the chairwoman of the Republican Party. And I did chuckle a little bit when she said, "She, you know, I'm looking at the, the math and the path. And she apparently has lived in Michigan, or she did live in Michigan. And I'm like, of course she did, because that's the accent. Um, <laughs> Michigan, and apparently, yeah, she studied at a high school in Oakland County, Michigan, I am from Missouri, which is just south of Michigan, and let me tell you, us Midwesterners, the way we say certain vowels is a little harsh, little harsh, little, and we tend to say real instead of really. That's one of the things we do. I make goofy voices. If you're new to the podcast, which you might be, because I had a little bit of a surge after a uh, interview I did with Fred Wellman for Midas Touch. Um, welcome to the podcast. I'm a kind of a weirdo and I do imitate people from time to time. It's a habit I started doing as a child and I started doing it accidentally on this podcast and then I got feedback from people to keep doing it and now here we are. Now, is it the most professional thing for a journalist to do? No, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm my own boss. Here we go. <laughs> so last week, the New Hampshire primary dominated everything on the network. The, uh... Fox went into hyperdrive to brazenly promote Trump's candidacy while trashing his lone Republican opponent, Nikki Haley. 
An undercurrent of sorts bubbled up from the surface as some folks at Fox warned of the many problems that Trump seemed to bring to the race. He constantly created chaos, motivated Democrats, alienated voters with bullying language, and created divisions in the Republican Party. That's just to name a few. We're just we're not even getting into the court cases and all that fun stuff. There were reasons why polls showed Haley beating Biden by a much wider margin in a hypothetical race than Trump might. Haley might be the voice of the old Republican Party, but she was far less likely to split the country in half like Trump would. New Hampshire and Iowa voters, however, overwhelmingly favored Trump. So Fox News backed a man who never won the popular vote and who lost the Senate the House, and the presidency in one disastrous election in 2020. <laughs> I will never cease to find that funny, that they are still double, tripling down on a man with that track record. It's kind of amazing, the cult of personality. It's scary, a little terrifying, a little bit. Meanwhile, the network largely ignored the $83.3 million settlement awarded to E. Jean Carroll in a defamation lawsuit against the former president. Hannity mentioned it briefly, but the case was completely ignored on the 5, even though the judgment was announced right before the 5 p.m. broadcast. That was something to see. <laughs> they just, they just, what? Didn't happen. Just didn't happen. That's how Fox used to cover most of Trump's legal issues until they got to a point that you just couldn't. You couldn't ignore them. Now, if you're new to the podcast, I'll briefly explain every week I always compare everything I watch on Fox to whatever the PBS NewsHour included for the week. Now, I mention this because I'm about to point out a huge discrepancy between the two networks. So Fox included exactly one 30-second segment dedicated to the Israel-Hamas war. One. I watched 21 hours, one 30-second segment to the actual war. That's just unbelievable. Meanwhile, PBS dedicated 13% of its airtime to the conflict. It's kind of a big deal, that war. Kind of something we should be talking about and exploring and learning about. 30 seconds. And the 30-second segment, by the way, was a dedication to IDF soldiers who had died. That's it. So you'd learn nothing other than some people died, which of course they did. It's a war. It's sad, terrible. But you'd think you'd want to know what's going on over there. You know, because Fox, actually, at the beginning of that conflict, Fox was all in, would spend the vast majority of its uh, airtime dedicated to it, and then they, little by little they just, eh, we don't care. Anyway. Fox also left out a study that showed an increase in rape-related pregnancies. They left out brutal Russian military attacks in civilian areas in Ukraine and a ban on gender-affirming care in Ohio. So the shows that I covered on Fox last week were Fox and Friends. I got all three hours on Monday and Tuesday because of the primary. I watched The Five, Hannity, and then, of course, the Fox News primary election coverage from New Hampshire, which is two hours long. So this first clip is my favorite for the week. It's not why I included it first. It's kind of a fun one to start the podcast with. Um, I'm going to briefly explain. On Fox and Friends, they do this segment called Breakfast with Friends. And they go around to diners all over the country. And they usually do some advanced promotion. So they'll go on their website and all the 
things like this whole crazy Fox universe because it exists, these super fans of Fox News. And they'll say, we're going to be at this diner on this state. Show up and you can be a part of the show. And so, of course, these the diners are always packed. It's usually old white people, usually. And they'll come with their political stuff on, Trump or Haley or DeSantis or whatever, or their Fox swag. And they get all excited. And you know they're showing up at like 3 a.m. because they got to get the camera set up and the lights. And this is all live. And it gets, you know, wherever they're shooting, it shows up at 6 a.m. in the Eastern East Coast. So if they're, you know, if they're in middle America, it's 5 a.m. And if they're on the West Coast, it's, you know, 4 or 3 a.m. So this is crazy. So only a hardcore fan's going to do this. And then they have somebody like Lawrence Jones, who's a new correspondent to Fox and Friends, We'll go around and ask questions, and then they're like, yay! And it's always like, I love Fox, I love Republicans, I love Trump. That's usually how it goes. And then the joke is that they'll refer to these segments for months afterward. They'll say, you know, when we go to the diners, people tell us that they love Trump, so therefore that's America. America loves Trump. It's like, no, those are Fox fans. Anyway, so this is one rare instance where this didn't go so well. And it's kind of funny because these women, I think, set him up. Now, this is a diner that was next door. It's actually a tavern. They kind of made it, it looked like a tavern, but they kind of dressed it up like it was a diner. Probably faked it. And it was connected to the hotel that they were staying in and they were shooting from. And so Lawrence Jones is going around. He goes up to two women who look clearly middle-aged, probably... Early 60s, late 50s. Both of you, young ladies, I was talking back and forth with you, and you said, look, you would vote for Nikki Haley. That's someone that you can see yourself voting for. But you said if it gets between Nikki Haley, uh, I'm sorry, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden again, you will vote for who? I will vote for President Biden. I have five grandchildren, four of them are girls, and I'm very concerned about women's issues and democracy. Okay, thank you so much, ma'am. So that was an absolutely amazing display (laughs) by a Fox guest goes rogue. And they do. It doesn't happen that often, but when it happens, it is glorious. And I think that was planned. And the reason why I think that was planned are these words. I'm going to just read them off. I was talking back and forth with you and you said, look, you would vote for Nikki Haley. That's someone that you could see yourself voting for. But you said... If it gets between Nikki Haley, I'm sorry, Donald Trump and Joe Biden again, you will vote for who? So he just let in. He had chatted with them. They told him they would vote for Trump. And then when the moment came, when they knew that camera was going to be on them, she's like, Joe Biden. Why? Because of women's issues. And I've got granddaughters. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. That was not spontaneous. She planned that. And I, I don't know, but I'm guessing she planned that based on what he said to her right before she said it. So those don't happen often because most of the people who, again, get up at the crack of dawn to go to these events are huge fans of Fox News. But occasionally somebody's like, I got an idea. Let's do this. Okay, there was another person in another clip at a diner, similar, similar segment, who um, was a Dean Phillips fan, and he did something similar. (laughs) He had his shirt covered up, and he's like, Dean Phillips for president! And they're like, get the camera away from him! Um, And that was really ridiculous. So this next segment was... So on Monday, they had Lawrence Jones interview Trump 
for an extended interview and they cut it up over the three hours of Fox and Friends. And it was terrible because Lawrence Jones is kind of a novice and that's just not a good combo with somebody like Trump. And then on Tuesday, they thought, we're going to try something new. And they put Brian Kilmeade sort of a day in the life with Donald J. Trump on the trail. And they decided to do this grand tour of his Boeing 757 plane, which I found out was built in 1991. That's a little alarming. It's kind of old, don't you think? Anyway, (laughs) I looked it up. So anyway, the tour ended up being just like one room and then like a little side room from the main room. And it was like the living room. That's it. You didn't see the dining area, the bedroom, nothing. Not even a bathroom. You'd think, come on, show me the bathroom on a plane like this. No, they did not show you anything. And this is not a clip from that, but it's Kilmeade talking about these segments. To add to that is a big thing with him is he says, I don't want my family involved. Yeah. You know, Ivanka says I'm out and I appreciate that. I could appreciate that. And Eric, they do stuff and they got to go back to the business. But look what happened to them. They go on trial, number one. Number two, you have Jared Kushner. They try Mm -hmm. to put him in jail for volunteering to do what he's doing. Did nothing wrong. And then you have Don Trump Jr. was what? By Adam Schiff bringing him uh, in to testify multiple times on this Russia investigation. So he feels worse about the family than him. What I loved about it, though, we saw inside his plane today. We had that great interview with some serious questions, but some lighthearted questions, too, like how tall is Jared? Which, I mean, um, Barrett. Barrett. which is a cute question. Nine. Um, but Nine anyway, eight. it was great. Good job. We saw the... Saw Brian the had to stay up real late room. to get that, so good job. Right. Good job. Uh, the main thing was to give a slice of life, not to do... Lawrence had a great one-on-one interview yeah. yesterday. I want to give a different perspective. What life is like right. behind the scenes. Speaking of Lawrence, we're going to... Now, in stark contrast, I'm going to include a segment about Nikki Haley. This was the day of the primary, but this is before it happened. This is from The Five... So, again, this is before people are voting. This is the number one cable news uh, channel in the country. So, a lot of people watching this. And this is how they treated Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley trying to defy political gravity and knock the king off his throne. Last night, he even assembled his own Avengers-style team of former rivals to take down Nikki Haley. And it claims she's planning to be in the race well beyond New Hampshire to Super Tuesday. I don't care if she stays in or she doesn't. It's really a function of money. It's a function of whether or not people are going to continue to support her if she doesn't have the big bucks. And the shame of it is that she didn't have the big bucks from the beginning. The money waited a while before it came to her. And in the end, she loses in Iowa. She's going to lose in New Hampshire. The next race is South Carolina, which she uh, Donald Trump apparently is, is beating her by 30 points, I believe. I mean, how can you lose in your own home state? So it's going to be a problem. She can say, I'm in it for the long haul and all that happy stuff. And she can say, fellas, in a condescending way, you know, never really saying I'm a woman candidate. But, you know, these fellas, whatever it is, her play to women may work, it may not. But the numbers are not in her favor. Donald Trump is overwhelmingly the person the Republicans want. In fact, the Republican Party is now the Donald Trump Party. When I'm listening to Nikki Haley, I think she goes from being like a a capable leader to a pandering phony. And it kind of bums me out. So I just want to point out again that this was the day of the primary. So the results had not come in yet. They did not know. I think they were predicting the spread would be bigger between Trump and Nikki Haley. I think they thought it was going to be um, 
like 20, 20 points, closer to 11. But they were like, this was how negative they were being towards Nikki Haley, openly being negative towards her. And on Fox and Friends, they were pushing her with more harder questions, giving her a harder time. Now, I don't have time to include all of that. I'm actually going to dedicate a separate podcast to that because I noticed this trend and I went back through all of my archives to figure out when it started, who started it, and where it came from. Laura Ingram was always negative towards her candidacy from day one. From day one, she had a negative segment about it. And I also found that two months after DeSantis decided he was running, he officially threw his hat in to the candidacy, she flew down to Florida and taped a show. I remember this, just like going, what is going on? Live from Florida so she could interview him in person. Like she couldn't do that on Zoom. No, she flew all the way down to Florida and spent like the first half hour of her show just like, you're amazing, Ron DeSantis. So I think she was in the tank for DeSantis. That didn't work out. That podcast should be coming out this week. Um, I just thought it was interesting to see the pivot. And there was a very specific day that, at least on the shows that I covered on Fox, I saw the temperature and tone change towards Nikki Haley. It went from kind of neutral, she's harmless, go Nikki, maybe. And then Ducey was kind of like, well, she's polling better than anybody else in a head-to-head against Biden. Ducey was kind of the only holdout that was like openly promoting her. And then all of a sudden it was like a record scratch and she was the enemy. And now she's hugely the enemy. So I'm mostly finished with the research for that, but I got to put it together and then record it and all that fun stuff. So that'll be happening sometime this week. I'm going to try to get it out as soon as possible um, just because I think it's an interesting thing to kind of watch how this network that, again, claims to be a news network, which is really a propaganda arm of the Republican Party, (laughs) is sort of deciding winners and losers here. This is what they're doing. I mean, I, I think that the tone of the Republican Party is incredibly pro-Trump anyway, but Fox is trying to kind of help put, you know, its thumb on the scale for Trump over Nikki Haley, which is bad. We It would be better for Democrats if she stays in the race as long as possible. So this next little clip is called Kellyanne Conway Clutches Her Pearls. It's starting off with, it's election night. In New Hampshire, they're around this huge desk. It's like one of the many panels. Um, this starts with Martha McCallum's voice. We're going to move into Jessica Tarloff. You're going to hear Brett Baer. And then, of course, Kellyanne Conway. Um, and it's just, it's smart to understand. And also, you see the shift that's happening, right? You look at, at black voters, Hispanic voters, college women, Latinos who have moved towards Trump. Yes. So it, it, it's no longer that people are in these boxes based on what what their gender is or what they look like. They they appear to want, you know, a safe country and they appear to want uh, a good economy, regardless of, of what label they have. That's completely fine. And I know that the lines have shifted dramatically. And But Joe Biden's responsible for a lot of that. Say that he's demeaned half the country. First of all, it's 74 million people that voted for Donald Trump. And he is explicit every time he talks about the MAGA movement to say that this is a subsection of the Republican Party, which is borne out in elections when you see people voting against Donald Trump. And this idea that but what about the, the people way voting that Democrats... for him? What about the people voting for yeah, him? He I'm gives teleprompter speeches. I, I mean, you have to understand yes, that it's... Yes, but he is talking about insurrectionists. No. He is, yes, no, he is. No, no, no. He Why went, is he talking about January 6th? And he calls... He says Donald MAGA like it's a swear word, you know? He has, he has, he has a, a, a slogan. If you 
get called regularly. He's and which Democrats do? Thugs. He's a commander in chief. Pedophiles. Why can't he call the border a crisis while he's, while he's denigrating That's and castigating Americans? No, no, the voters are talking about that, no, Jessica. But excuse me, respect demeaning voters. The president of the United States, a commander in chief, went to Philadelphia a year and a half ago with a Marine posted behind him. I saw. And gave a decidedly political speech where he insulted. A, a large part of the country. And I've said many times on this network, and I'll say it again tonight, if people, a lot of people, spend a fraction of the time that they spent obsessing over Donald Trump the person, learning one thing about the Trump voter, things may be very different. This is Joe Biden's version of Hillary's deplorable and irredeemable. Again, if you're a regular of this podcast, you know that I sometimes do a segment called Clutch Your Pearls. Oh. Clutch them, clutch them closely to your chest as you, with your hand, clutch them because, you know, you are so, you're so mortified. You're so mortified and, and afraid about something very, very offensive. Okay, you clutch your pearls is basically when somebody on Fox gets deeply, deeply, horribly offended by something that they do all the time. Which, uh, Jessica Tarloff is correct. The Democrats, liberals, progressives are constantly demonized on Fox News all day long. And if you criticize them even slightly, it's like, oh, how dare you? How dare you say that MAGA is bad? That people in the MAGA movement might, I don't know, storm the Capitol and break windows and try to beat up cops. How dare you? Okay, I make them Southern. Sometimes Clutch Your Pearls is British. Depends on my mood. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. That's who I am. Okay, but yes, <laughs> it's a Clutch Your Pearls moment. At this point, I think I should give a shout out to my sponsor. And don't worry, you're not going to listen to a pitch for some company or product. My sponsor are the listeners of this podcast and readers of my newsletter. Now, my newsletter is a written version of this podcast that you can find at Substack for Decoding Fox News. If you'd like to become a paid subscriber to Decoding Fox News, you could do so at Substack. You can also become a paid supporter at my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. Both help me tremendously. I do not have a large donor. I do not have any advertisers and I do not have any sponsors. It is purely crowdsourced. It's difficult to do this. I live in fear every single week that it will collapse. So <laughs> I do, I do. I'm not kidding. I do. So uh, if you are a paid subscriber, you also get um, exclusive content. And this week it'll be Nikki Haley related with the research that I've been doing. And uh, it kind of varies from time to time what that exclusive content is, but you do get exclusive content. So that's about it. And I also have an Amazon wish list for Decoding Fox News, same name. And right now, the only thing that's left on it is cat food um, and snacks for the <laughs> for the office, the office of one. So that's about it. So, and thank you anybody who's contributed to that. Now back, if you're wondering what the newsletter is too, if you're new to the podcast, it's again, the written version of this podcast. Some people prefer to read it rather than listen to me make goofy voices and yap. So it's all good, whatever you need. It's about, my audience is split almost perfectly down the middle between both. So anyway, moving on, we're gonna, our hero, um, Jessica Tarloff, the liberal on The Five, who's going to go on maternity leave soon and break our hearts because we won't have her and no one else comes close to her on the network. 
the other people that are quote unquote liberals are like, are you, that's a, you consider that person a liberal? Okay. Okay. Sure. But anyway, here she is again, same night. This is the election night in New Hampshire and she's talking about Trump and they let her go. They didn't interrupt her so many times this time. But the Nikki Haley voter, are they going to try to get them? Do you think? Well, I'm certainly not an advisor to the Trump campaign, <laughs> but it is, you know, we talk in the millions of votes when we're talking about the general election, but it actually comes down to the tens of thousands, right? The margins in Georgia, in Arizona, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, it's minute, right? It can be the difference between whether you came out and you criticized your opponent's dress which some could interpret as demeaning a woman, again, which is obviously something that he suffers from, or just making a little offhanded comment that someone says, you know what, I'm going to sit home, or actually, I want four more years of Joe Biden. So, yes, it would be smart, as it always was when he was president, if he would listen to Kaylee about this. But he has an uncontrollable narcissism and rage about him when he feels insulted. And it's appealing to the base to say, we love it, he's a counterpuncher. But you've now lost a general election, You've presided over the loss of this, the Republican Senate, the Republican House, uh, the abortion that's been on the ballot seven times. Democrats have swept it in all of that, and he has not moderated at all. And, and frankly, I don't think it's in him for him to be able to do it for more than 20 minutes. So if you notice, she spoke at a clip there, and absolutely no one interrupted her, which I thought was brilliant. Because what could they say? He did lose the House. He did lose the Senate. He did lose the presidency all in one election. Uh, Republicans have lost on the topic of abortion all over the country, including in states like Ohio and Kansas. So yeah, this is a little bit more than just sleepy old Joe Biden and oh, the triumphant, you know, Trump, however you want to make him into this mythical bombastic creature that he is, even though we'll get to this next clip will sum up why they should be scared, in my humble opinion, why they should be very, very scared. Now, if you don't know Brit Hume, <laughs> he's not on the shows that I cover often. He's 80 years old. He's been with the network since 1996. Uh, Brit Hume does a lot of their voiceovers because he's got this like very low, gravelly voice that's very like, I sound like a man with authority. And so this night, again, this is from the election coverage. They're sitting around this huge desk. He's off to the side. And what was kind of amazing about this is he kept dropping truth bombs and absolutely nobody really kind of reacted to it. Like Kaylee McEnany got in trouble for some things she said that Trump didn't like, you know, because she's a woman and she used to work for him and she's pretty. So, of course, he has to attack her. Brit Hume was like much worse. Like the stuff he was saying. But it didn't really, nobody seemed to notice it in the press Nobody seemed to care. And I'm like, this is gold. Brit Hume is like making my life right now. Brit Hume, you, you are everything to me. This is not a liberal. This is not a centrist. This is not even, a, he's not even remotely moderate. This is a die-to-the-wool conservative. And he was just glorious because he has no filter. He doesn't care. And it just came out. So this is the first comment that I was like, what did he just say? But I think you compare the results in the two parties, there's contained therein a kind of an ominous warning for the Republicans, because look at the Democratic side, right? Joe Biden, enfeebled, obviously senile, regarded by even a significant number of people in his own party as not really up to the job. He gets this overwhelming victory. They all rally behind him, right? 
That, that, that is a party. And they that, write it on the ballot, yeah. Exactly. And that write-in, right? I mean, a kind of a half-baked write-in, last-minute deal. And, and, he, and he prevails and does, you know, overwhelmingly. And, uh, and I, I say that that's a sign of a party that, that understands power and knows how to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Republicans are divided. We've got, you know, the, the Trump is, as we've talked about, kind of an effective incumbent and is seen that way. And yet he's got to fend off a challenge here. You know, he's getting in the 50s, mid-50s. That's, that's a big win tonight, you can call it, and it, and it, and it may be. But it's not the kind of thing you expect an incumbent to get. So the divisions in the party are very clear, and it's not clear that many that many of the voters who who supported Nikki Haley tonight, um, some of them brought in from the ranks of independents, uh, would be prepared to support Trump in the general election. So there's real weakness there on the Republican side in terms of the divisions within the party. So when I go through these clips, I will sometimes cut them up to make various different edits, and this one I went through a few times. And it wasn't until I went through it maybe the third time that I noticed for a very brief moment. They like to mix up the camera sometimes so you're not just looking at a person's face talking. They'll pull back. You'll see everybody. They pull back in, that sort of thing. It's just basic camera work 101 helps keep focus. Actually, if you move the focus around, it keeps the um, viewers focused, strangely. That's how it works. But they pulled back for a split second, very, very brief. And... I saw Martha McCallum and Brett Baer both slack-jawed, just like op mouths open, <laughs> like, what is he saying? <laughs> and nobody cared because it's, it's Brit Hume. He could do no wrong. But I was like, oh, my goodness. Now, this is the second clip that came a little bit later that was just money. I'm like, Democrats need to print this on T-shirts. They need to make money off of what Brit Hume just said. Just wait till the Democrats go to work on Trump yeah. and revive the things that people may have forgotten or time has passed and it's caused them to soften their feelings about Trump. Um, it isn't going to be pretty. And look, nobody motivates Democrats like Donald Trump. And that's a reality Republicans are going to have to, are going to, have to reckon with. That's the money phrase, ladies and gents. That's the money phrase. Oh, my goodness. I was like, can I get that tattooed somewhere? <laughs> Nobody motivates Democrats like Donald J. Trump. Truth. This is true. We hate him to the core of our being. <laughs> Even people who aren't Democrats. I have friends that are just, they don't pick a party. They're like, I can't stand that man. Yes, they can't stand that man for so many reasons. So anyway, this last clip, very quickly, this is just in here because it's funny. Um, it's called Snake Handlers for Trump, and this is Trey Gowdy, who's got one of my favorite voices on Fox News, because he's from South Carolina. If you've ever seen him, he looks like a, a Bond villain, not a Bond villain, but like a Bond villain henchman. <laughs> he's got this crazy haircut, very extreme looking man. He was a congressman from South Carolina, now he works on Fox News. He's had some zingers about Trump in the past, but this is... This is just I, indescribable. And if you're counting on Democrats in South Carolina, the two left, Jim Clyburn and we just put a fella in the state museum. That's all that's left in South Carolina. <laughs> Lots of evangelicals. Some of us still handle snakes. Lots of evangelicals in South Carolina. Somebody on Twitter thought that Gowdy was mocking evangelicals with that clip. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You didn't see the whole clip. I isolated it for 
comedy purposes because it's just so what okay um but the full content and it wasn't easy some sometimes it's just hard to show the full context because it's just not soundbite friendly it's like they talk about it and then it goes on and they waste time and then they bring it back to a, a line like that so it's just sometimes like laura ingram is harder to clip because she doesn't speak in soundbites she does that a lot it's kind of like you need like four minutes to show the arc and you don't have four minutes so Basically, what happened there is there was a discussion about how would Nikki Haley do in South Carolina against Trump. And that was Trey Gowdy's contribution. <laughs> He's like, well, evangelicals like Trump and evangelicals tend to be very extreme. They love Trump. They love Trump. Hey, we got tons of evangelicals in South Carolina, including some of us still handle snakes. So that's what he meant by that. He was not mocking no, 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 no. He was not saying they were hillbillies. Not at all. This is a man who got elected by people like that. So, yeah, somebody misread that completely. So, I would still like to see that, though, the snake handlers for Trump sign with snakes on it. And Trump would probably be like, yeah, he loves it. Thinks it's great. Give me a snake. <laughs> no, he probably wouldn't handle the snake because he would probably not want to get bitten by the snake. But he would probably... Um, be all for it because he doesn't care as long as it says they're for Trump. That's the man that we're doing. It's going to be a long. I'm telling you, I, I, I am not sure how I'm going to stay sane because Fox is just Trump, 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 Trump. And now that they figured out in their voter analysis survey, which they keep, they say, wait, I didn't do it wrong. It's the Fox News voter analysis survey. They always use the, the entire title when they discuss it. They found out in two states, now Iowa and New Hampshire, that immigration was Republican voters who were going to go to these caucuses in primary, were the most important thing was immigration. So now all of Fox this week so far has been immigration, 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 to the point that it's like, oh, my goodness. And then when it's not immigration, it's Trump, 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 Trump. So it's rough. It's rough. I'm going to do my best going to do my best to kind of make fun of it, keep it entertaining, and keep you guys informed. But my goodness. Woo okay. So I'm going to do a quick Judge Janine before we move on to the uh, stories Fox News ignored. So if you're new to the podcast, one of the things that I do that I sort of started doing on accident and then it became a thing is I do an impression of Judge Janine. Why? Because I can. And it's funny. And if you've ever heard her voice, it goes up and it goes down. She's got a very, very, very dis distinctive rhythm to the way she speaks. And she's always about ready to murder Greg Gutfeld or Jesse Waters. Even though she said she's not. I sense it. I sense it at any moment. She's going to leap over that table and throttle him. Oh, all 100 pounds of her. She's very small. She's a very small person. Very petite. My mother's built like her. Just a little... I'm built like a Viking. She's just little. Like a little... I'm built like I could just take, pick you up and throw you across the room. I wore says 10 shoe when I was 12. And I hated it. So, not a petite person. But anyway, moving on. This is Stories Fox News Ignored. Every week, I take the hours I've analyzed on Fox News and compare them to five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following lists are stories that PBS covered that Fox News did not. Starting with updates in the war in Ukraine. Russian missile strikes in Ukraine killed 18 people and injured more than 130. 
Ukraine said it shot down 21 of 41 missiles, while others managed to hit various civilian homes and apartment buildings. Russia is still claiming that Ukraine shot down a transport plane that was allegedly carrying Ukrainian prisoners of war. Officials in Ukraine said that Russia has no credible evidence to back up its accusation. Updates in the Israel-Hamas war. Israeli forces intensified their fighting in Khan Yunus, the second largest city in Gaza. The Gazan Health Ministry said that a hospital was struck and dozens of people were killed. Israel reported its deadliest day for troops in Khan Yunus, as 24 soldiers were killed in a single day while trying to build a buffer zone around the city. The reservists had placed explosives in two damaged buildings when they were hit by rocket-propelled grenades fired by Hamas. Interestingly enough, Fox reported on the memorial for those soldiers, but they didn't say what they were doing. Weird but true. So more than three decades after a mob of Hindu radicals destroyed a mosque in India, the country's Prime Minister, Narinda Modi, dedicated a Hindu temple on the site. Hindus believe that the site is a sacred place and the birthplace of the popular deity, Lord Ram. The location has been disputed for over a century. Crews in Memphis worked around the clock to repair water lines that were damaged due to extremely cold weather. Residents in Tennessee and Mississippi were also put on water boil notices and had limited access to clean running water. PBS produced a segment about the 15 million Americans who've lost Medicaid since the extensions for enrollment made during the pandemic expired. Some have gotten coverage on private plans, while others lost their insurance due to procedural problems. The Supreme Court agreed to take on the appeal of an Oklahoma death row inmate named Richard Glossop. Glossop has been in prison for the past 26 years, while two independent investigations raised serious doubts about his conviction. Even the state attorney general said Glossop should not be executed. His case will likely be heard in the fall. Dexter Scott King, the youngest son of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., died at home after a long battle with prostate cancer at the age of 62. Norman Jewison, a Canadian filmmaker, died at his home at the age of 97. He was best known for directing the films Moonstruck, Fiddler on the Roof, In the Heat of the Night, and The Thomas Crown Affair. He was nominated for seven Academy Awards and received the prestigious Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award by the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences in 1999. Charles Osgood, a veteran CBS newsman, died at his home in New Jersey at the age of 91. Osgood was best known for hosting CBS Sunday Morning and the long-running radio program The Osgood File. Tara Vanderveer became the most winningest coach in college basketball history last week. She set an all-time record for most coaching wins in the history of college basketball, men's or women's. Last week, she got her 1,203rd victory in a game Stanford hosted against Oregon State. The trial of the mother of Ethan Crumbly, a teenager who committed mass shooting at his school in Oxford, Michigan, started last week. She is charged with involuntary manslaughter for her alleged role in her son's rampage, which left four students dead and seven others injured. Her husband, James Crumbly, is facing similar charges in a separate trial that is set to start in March. They both face 15 years in prison if convicted. The parents purchased a gun for their son four days before the shooting. They allegedly knew their son was contemplating violence as his mental health issues escalated. 
Ohio will ban gender-affirming care for minors after legislators overrode a veto by Republican Governor Mike DeWine. The new law will ban gender-affirming care for minors and ban transgender students from competing in school sports teams. Johnson & Johnson will pay $149.5 million to Washington state and local governments in a settlement over the company's role in the opioid epidemic. Farmers across Europe stage protests over cheap imports, rising regulations, and falling incomes. In France, farmers have blocked roads in and out of Paris in what they are calling a siege of the city. China's central bank announced it will reduce the amount of money banks need to have on reserve. The move is seen as a way to help boost a slowing economy. Comedian Jon Stewart will return to The Daily Show once a week on Comedy Central. Stewart left the show in 2015. The Daily Show has struggled to find an audience since he left. A recent study in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, found a sharp increase in rape-related pregnancies since Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Dobbs decision. The study calculates there have been more than 64,000 rape-related pregnancies in areas with abortion bans. Batteries used in green energy require the use of lithium, a rare earth element. Student reporters from the House Center for Investigative Journalism at Arizona State University discovered evidence that increased lithium mining in the United States could stress freshwater aquifers. Japan's slim, smart lander for investigating the moon craft accidentally landed on the surface of the moon upside down due to an engine failure. The landing caused the solar panels to point in the wrong direction and cut off power to the craft. Slim was able to regain power after a change in the sunlight direction. NASA's Ingenuity Mars helicopter has officially ended its mission. The helicopter was able to complete 72 flights for nearly 1,000 Martian days on the Red Planet. Thousands of Australians took to the streets to protest the annual Australia Day celebrations that mark the anniversary of British colonization of the continent. The British landed in Sydney Harbour on January 26, 1788. The demonstrators called for the national holiday to change to a day of mourning for indigenous people who have suffered since the UK colonized the region. The American Museum of Natural History in New York City is closing some of its Native American exhibits to comply with a new federal regulation dealing with the display of indigenous human remains and cultural items. The museum said it has plans to repatriate as much as it could to Native American tribes. PBS featured an interview with Frank Rubio, an astronaut who currently holds the record for the longest space mission by any American. Rubio stayed in the International Space Station for a total of 355 days. His original mission was supposed to only last six months, but a mechanical problem with the space station delayed his return. And those are all the stories, yes, all of them, that PBS included in five hours that Fox never got to in 21 hours. Terrible. They're terrible. You'd think at least the NASA stuff would be kind of fun, right? How is that political? Nope, they didn't include it. So by the numbers is a section that I do every week where I break down with my little spreadsheets the top five topics discussed on both networks. I start with Fox, we move on to PBS. So for Fox, we have six, and there's a reason why. First, presidential primary, 23% of airtime. Trump, 2024, and this was blatant 
campaigning for this man. 20%. So that's a fifth of the airtime that I watched was just Trump praising. Um, border crisis, 15%. Biden bashing, which is another regular, 7%. Nikki Haley, 2024, 5%. Another category that I added because I thought it was important to include this. Nikki Haley bashing, 4%. And there was a difference in those segments. If the segment was neutral and I didn't see a bias and they're just saying, well, what, you know, what are her chances? Da, 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 da. And they went back and forth. It was chill. I called that Nikki Haley 2024. If it was, she has to drop out now. And this is very clear when they were doing a, when there was a bashing segment. There are times it got a little blurry. And if it, I couldn't really tell, like I called it Nikki Haley 2024. But there, like that, that five segment I played that was just nonstop bashing the entire time. Um, next up, we have the PBS NewsHour top five topics for the week. Now, this is how the normal news was last week. 16% presidential primary, 13% Israel-Hamas war, 5% artist profile, that's a PBS-specific thing, 5% Houthi rebel aggression, and that is not the same story as the Israel-Hamas war. There is overlap, but it's not the same story. Fox did talk about the Houthi rebel aggression, but not nearly as much. It was, it was talked about, but obviously we got to you know, bash Biden more. And then 4% was the spending bill that's pending, that has, that's tying Ukraine spending with the border security spending, which is a bit of a nightmare. That got 4%. Um, now we move on to words used on Fox News for the week ending uh, January 28th, 2024. And this is, I just make everything into a giant transcript and then I search for words. And this is great because it's really hard for them to hide behind something this just raw data. So Trump was uttered 966 times. Biden, 569. Haley, 404. Border, 379. DeSantis, 138. Independent, 122. I was checking that for like independent voter. Immigration, 81. Economy, 48. Dean Phillips, who is this uh, congressperson who's running against Biden, 46. Crime, 37. Hunter, as in Hunter Biden, 30. Inflation, 27. China, 22. Voter analysis, 21. Iran, 17. This is embarrassing. Israel, 7. 21 hours. It's just shameful. It's just shameful. Because no matter how you feel about that war, it should be covered. No matter how you, if you're pro-Palestine, uh, you'd, you'd want to watch coverage, right? If you're pro-Israel, you'd want to watch coverage. Fox is ignoring it. AOC was mentioned three times. Because she always is. That's the joke. AOC is always included. And I always check also for Cortez for her because sometimes they mix it up. So that's the podcast this week. I'm exhausted, as I always am. Uh, again, remember, there's going to be another one coming just on the Nikki Haley craziness of like, when did they turn on her? Why did they turn on her? What's going on with that? And I've included a lot of, because it was going to, I debated doing it with this one, but I thought it was going to be too heavy handed with Nikki Haley. And what's really happening here is the Trump train is taking over, but I still want to explore that. So I just didn't want to make it the weekly podcast. I'm really tired. If you'd like to become 
I don't want to talk about how late it is right now. I don't want to talk about it because it's nuts. I don't know how I've been doing this for two years. We're about to hit the two-year anniversary for Decoding Fox News. We are about to hit the 100th anniversary, the 100th podcast episode. I don't number the bonus episodes. I have no idea how many podcasts I've actually done. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But the numbered ones are the weekly ones, and we will hit 100 in two weeks, which I'm over the moon about. And thank you so much for your support. I'm going to cry. Every time I talk about this thing, I think I get emotional because it's been so hard. Briefly, briefly before I end this, I started off going after this hate group called the Proud Boys, not having any idea that this would change my life completely. It did. And I went to grad school. And as somebody who was in her 40s when I went to grad school, it was absolutely terrifying to make that big of a leap and, and, and take that big of a risk financially to turn my life around and, and do something that I was passionate about, which is this, this type of work. And then somebody gave me a chance and that turned into uh, Decoding Fox News when I was offered a grant. And let me just say, it has changed my life. This community has changed this life. My audience has changed my life. All of it. So thank you so much. If you want to become a paid subscriber to Decoding Fox News, you go to my Substack or my Patreon. If you want to just send me some snacks or some cat food uh, for Odin and Thor, the mascots of the podcast. If you've heard anything tonight with thumping and stuff in the background, that's them. Anyway, the uh, wish list is on Amazon, again, for Decoding Fox News, if you want to check that out. And I just want to thank everybody again. I will see you at the next podcast very quickly. You can also find Decoding Fox News on Twitter, Threads, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Although in YouTube and Facebook, it's under Juliet Jeske. My name spelled Juliet is in Romeo and and J-E-S-K-E. It's Prussian. It's not even my last name. It's my ex-husband's. It's just a better last name than the one I was born with. That's always misspelled. So that's it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you when the Nikki Haley one's done. Thanks a lot.